This is the Doctor Who podcast, and you are most welcome. It's another episode of the Doctor Who podcast, and with season 6B knocking on our door, we go round to the side of the building and take a peek through the window. Yes, it is indeed. James and Trevor in the DWP camper van peeking around the corner at Series 6B to see what it has to offer. Because as of recording, we're only a week away. By the time you hear this, you'll be a mere handful of days away from enjoying Let's Kill Hitler, the first story of the the second batch of Series 6. So, hello, James. Hello, Trevor. Yes, and of course... You'll only be with us looking at this from a preview perspective if you weren't at the British Film Institute's preview of Let's Kill Hitler Mm. as the entirety of fandom, apart from Trevor and I, seem to have managed to get (laughs) tickets to somehow. (laughs) Well, we didn't want to be spoiled, you see. We would, rather than go watch it, we actually want to spend hours upon hours digging over the internet, searching forums, looking for spoilers ourselves and watching the trailers rather than take an hour out of our day and just go watch the preview. Yeah, unfortunately, it's not as um, altruistic as that for me. I just couldn't get tickets. So. <laughs> <laughs> Otherwise, I would have been there. But uh, from what I understand, it was uh, it was a remarkably interesting episode. And I think this is probably an appropriate point to say that we won't be discussing spoilers hugely. Well, at least I won't anyway, because I'm not aware of any this time around. Um <laughs> But we may well be venturing into the realms of speculation. So if you really want to approach the second half of this season completely fresh, I think we better see you the day after Let's Kill Hitler broadcast in the UK. Turn off your iPods (laughs) and get out of here. (laughs) So we'll give those people an outro that actually want to leave the show now and um, join us next week. So thank you for listening to the Doctor podcast. That's James, I'm Trev, and we'll see you all next week for episode 97. Bye for now. Okay, for those of you who are still here, well, before we actually get into discussing all of these various different monsters that may or may not be making a return in the second half, we've actually got a few thank yous to make. And we've, we've been a little bit remiss in not doing this a bit sooner, but visitors to the Doctor Who podcast site would have seen we have completely regenerated. We look completely different, don't we, Trev? Yes, indeed, the website has regenerated in just so many ways and it's actually going to continue to regenerate over the coming weeks too as well. But what do we have in place at the moment, James, for our listeners to enjoy? Oh, well, I'm very glad you asked me that, Trev. But, uh, well, first and foremost, we've got a much better look to the website. It's, It's slightly more... I think modern, it's a little more in keeping with modern website developments, I think, not being a particularly technical person myself. 
and certainly I think when I first visited it after John, hello John, um, yes we appreciate all your efforts, thank you very much indeed, after John sent us a, a proof really uh, for us to take a look at, I was absolutely blown away, I thought it looked really really good, because fundamentally listeners, all Trev, Tom and I do is turn up and talk, all of the hard work in terms of the webpage design <laughs> is done by other people, um, and it's done by other people who are actually giving uh, their time to us completely free of charge, so we really want to say thank you so much john um really really appreciated and latterly of uh, to dave as well who's being very intrinsic in giving the forums a new look as well well that's right yeah because um uh, dave who is our uh, well, i suppose a design tech team or something like that has mm. been making some nice little forum banners for us and uh, you know there's little images that appear at the bottom of your posts and stuff like that so uh we're currently going through a bit of a spruce up and uh, spring clean with them at the moment. So thank you, Dave. They've been fantastic. Mm. Um, lastly, <laughs> our thanks have to go to our composer, Flash, who provides our opening and closing themes for the Doctor Who podcast that you're listening to right now. Now, we've used his theme before, but uh, we we're getting a little tired of that. So we said to Flash, can you come up with something different but the same? So I think you probably agree that the, the opening theme we have now is very reminiscent of what we've had for the past, you know, 92 episodes. But uh, he's put a new spin on it and it sounds fantastic. So thank you, sir. Thank you very much. Mm-hmm. Okay, a little while ago, well, back in episode 91 to be precise, we launched a competition that we believed was going to prove the most popular competition the Doctor Who podcast had ever launched because we were giving away probably the most highly regarded story of all time, not just of one particular Doctor's era, and that's a DVD of Paradise Towers. We had an inordinate number of entries, but before we go through and select our lucky winner, can you remind people what the really fiendish question was? We must apologise again for for providing such an incredibly hard question. Um, I I don't think there were any possible clues we could have given away Mm -mm. for this, but um, I I believe the question was who played the chief caretaker in that particular story, Paradise Towers. Now, it would have taken a lot of research, I believe, to figure this out. It wasn't an easy one, so that's probably reflected in the amount of entries we got. It was probably quite low, wasn't it, James? (laughs) Uh, 147. See, only 147 of you know who played the chief caretaker in Paradise Towers. That's that's a pretty low amount, I'm afraid. Mm, indeed. And the answer is, and I have to say, Trey, this is the first time that we've had 147 entries and 147 wrong answers. So I actually had to email each one of them in particular and said, look, do you want to go and do a bit of research and come back to us? Because the answer is... Paul Eddington is a famous, of yes, of course. Yes, yes, famous character uh, actor throughout the seventies. Uh, and of course, Paul Eddington played the um, main character in in one of my favourite seventies sitcoms, The Good Life. I mean, everyone seemed to write him with the answer Richard Briers. I mean, I think they're getting him confused because Richard Briers was. Um, in Yes Minister and Yes Prime Minister, he, he played Jim Hacker. Yeah, and he so, played it brilliantly as well. It has to be said. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I can't really see Paul Eddington pulling off a role quite like, you know, a government minister, uh, quite as well as Richard Briers. And and of course, Paul Eddington, you know, he was famous for lots of and other um, starring roles, James. ever decreasing circles, The Good Life as James. well. Yep. Um, I've, I've just checked Wikipedia and I think we're wrong. 
wrong. Um, Us? The, the answer to the quiz is is Richard Briers. The listeners got it right. What well, is actually Richard Briers? It is, yeah. What star of Yes Minister? Yeah, uh, apparently Richard Briers was yeah. in Paradise Towers. Oh wow, amazing! Well, in that case, then I suppose I better move all of these entries from the wrong folder into the right folder. And we've got 147 mm. to choose from. That makes it more difficult to pick a winner, actually, doesn't it? Because I, I was actually just going to keep that DVD myself because no one got it right. <laughs> I've, um, I've got to now choose from over 140 entries yeah. who was the winner. Your fiendish oh ploy didn't God. work. But, uh, okay, yes, the answer really was Richard Briers for those of you who probably weren't fooled for a second. But anyway, never mind. Uh, Trev, <laughs> a number between 1 and 147, please. Oh, well, let's, let's go for 56. 56. Okay, number 56 is Mr. Jeffrey Earl, based in Indianapolis, over in the United States of America. Congratulations, Jeffrey. A a Europe and UK uh, version of Paradise Towers <laughs> will be working its way to you as you listen to this. Congratulations. I think maybe we might have to run a contest for a region-free DVD player now. <laughs> we might do. <laughs> yes, if anybody <laughs> would like to donate that particular prize to the DWP, <laughs> then get in touch with us. <laughs> but congratulations, I'm sure there's Jeffrey. a certain person in Indianapolis who would love to enter that competition right about now. Indeed. Indeed. <laughs> Okay, on our last couple of Doctor Who podcasts, we've been going through our favourite stories from each era of Doctor Who, and it's something that the three of us thoroughly enjoyed doing, because I don't remember a time when we've actually sat down and just chatted about every era of Doctor Who inside of about an hour before, and... Something that clearly you listeners seem to really enjoy as well. And one of the things that we did ask for was some feedback. And we've had some great feedback from Brett Johnson, who's also based somewhere in America. So, Brett, over to you. Hey, guys, this is Brent Johnson from Raleigh, North Carolina. And I wanted to give my feedback on your most recent excellent episode about your favorite stories from each doctor. And I love it when you guys do that, by the way. Um, you asked for feedback for other people's favorite stories so I thought I would send you a quick little audio and run down my list here I would say for the first doctor my favorite would have to be the Daleks master plan it's just a really excellent story and it is 12 parts but it just seems to fly by it's such a great story uh, I, I do love the Aztecs and I also like Keys of Marinus because it was sort of like a very small condensed key to time type story but Dalek Master Plan um, almost the same reason for the second Doctor uh, the War Games really long ten parts but they just seem to fly by to me and I just love that story it's a good story uh, third Doctor Inferno far and away the best episode in my opinion um Tom Baker, Fourth Doctor, would have to be, for me, Legopolis. And I know he did a lot better stories than that, but to me, that was just a personal favorite. Um, and the Fifth Doctor, of course, Caves Rangersani. Uh, the Sixth Doctor, kind of hard to choose from, not a lot to choose from there. <laughs> um, but I would have to say Vengeance on Veros. It was a really good Big Brother type story, and um, I enjoyed that. Seventh Doctor, 
it would be uh, Curse of Fenric. I'd have to agree with Trevor on that one. That's a really awesome story, and I was I was glad that somebody else um, had that as their favorite besides me, because usually everybody picks Remembrance of the Daleks. But to me, Curse of Fenric was just perfect McCoy. Um, the Eighth Doctor, I listened to Big Finish Audios also, and I'd have to agree with James on Chimes of Midnight. That's an excellent story. Uh, usually when I try to get somebody into that, into the McGann audios, I will let them borrow either Chimes of Midnight or Storm Warning because those are really great introductions to to pull somebody in. So I'd have to agree with you there. Um, the Ninth Doctor, I would say Father's Day um, because I remember the first time I saw it and at the very end I was like, oh, what? Doctor Who's trying to make me cry? What? That's never happened. So that was a little different. Um, and I would, I'm sure James would agree with me here, but I don't care what anybody says. Those were the Vortasaurs in that story. Um, the Tenth Doctor, Midnight. Love that. Love that story. Midnight. Um, just uh, the incredible acting from David Tennant. Especially at the end, you could just feel what he was thinking, even though he couldn't talk. And for Matt Smith, Eleventh Doctor, I would have to say Impossible Astronaut. Uh, I love Vincent and the Doctor, but Impossible Astronaut—I—I I, I can't remember the last time I got that excited watching a Doctor Who episode. I mean, cheering and clapping and and just being totally and utterly confused and loving it. <laughs> um, anyway, thanks for. Uh, the podcast and uh, giving us an opportunity to feedback. See you next time. Okay, Brett, thanks for your feedback, mate. Lovely to see that you agree with me on uh, a couple of choices in there. A, a listener of uh, taste and refinement, to be sure. Thank you, sir. Hmm. Um, we've had some really nice feedback from, from listeners about that particular feature, some of which have been asking for us to do it again from a slightly different angle. Well, I'm not sure how you would feel about this, Trev, but listeners right. have been asking us to go through and name our least favourite episode from each ah, era. I remember seeing that particular comment. Yeah, I, I, I think that would be an, an interesting thing to do. Um, what, one thing I'd also like to do one day, because I've had a little segment at the back of my mind, would be doing something on, I suppose, the forgotten stories of Doctor Who. Mm. You know, stories that don't really, you know, share the limelight, like the Dalek stories or the Cybermen stories or, or the really well-known historical stories. So... Yeah, I, I think there's a certain content there that's ripe for revisiting. Oh, absolutely. I, I think even if we tweak it just a little bit and the three of us can change doctors, we can go through the same process mm. again um, and have just as interesting a conversation, I think. So I'm really pleased that you did enjoy that particular feature, listeners. It was, it was a bit of an experiment and something that we probably will do again, probably a little while after season 6B has got out of our system. So <laughs> about uh, two mm. or three months or so. Okay, well, we're going to have a bit of a chat about Series 6B or Season 6B or the next part of Doctor Who, the one that's going to be starting in a very, very few short days. Now, now before we continue on with this, please, again, we'll warn you, there will be spoilers ahead, unintentional spoilers or intentional speculation, some of which may be true, some of which may be not. So just to be warned, if you don't want to be spoiled, it's probably time for you to leave us for this episode. So without further ado, we'll get into it. But before we actually talk about that, I just want to have a very quick discussion about the whole concept of calling it 6B. 
Now, I seem to remember at some point Mr Moffat said, um, no, it's not really 6B, it's actually a whole new season. So this should be season or series 7. But that seems to have fallen by the wayside lately. What What is the official thing on what this is actually called? Is this still part of series 6 or will we all get a surprise when the box set comes out <laughs> and find it series 7? Because I also ask again because... I see that they've released the first part of Series 6 on DVD now and they call that Part 1. Yes. So have have we done a big shift from two separate seasons to uh, one season chopped in half? Yes, I think so. Um, I don't think there's an official line, but as you were asking that question, I was thinking of the DVD box set as well and knowing that they've called it Part 1, which obviously implies it's got another part to it as well, so it's not something brand new. Now, I mean, Stephen Moffat has always been really quite dismissive of numbering systems and if you remember he came up with season finale and all the fandom suddenly started calling it season finale <laughs> that was mm. uh, what i think officially again if you're looking at the box set releases or the dvd releases was season five but because there's been so much talk concerning season one season two season 30 whatever it would be at this point i'm, I'm not so into this issue i know what it would have been if you'd have just continued on <laughs> from the classic series i i think it's just a huge non-issue in all honesty i mean the fact is we're going to get you know new doctor who it is a split season i'm considering this the second half to season six and mm, i will uh, until yeah. i'm told otherwise and i actually believe whatever it is that i'm being told then i will refer to this as season six and i'll refer to next year's as season seven or whatever turns up next year as season seven. Mm, mm. Yeah, no, I was, I was just curious because, uh, you know, I like my lists. You know, I like to be able to <laughs> compile these things and write them down and, and, and it's and it's very important for me to understand exactly what we'll be watching in about a week's time. No, I, I know what you mean. I, I think if you look in Doctor Who magazine, which people also basically treat as the official reference guide, they have started calling this season two. Uh, when they were reviewing all of the early episodes impossible astronaut day of the moon then it was it was matt smith series two and and, and so oh, i yeah. think they've just developed that to be honest i don't really think that's taken from an official source it's just something that everybody understands um but yeah long term long term fans you're quite right generally develop some kind of um obsession about numbering and uh, as far as i'm concerned so long as people know what you're talking about you can call it matt smith series two bit two as far as i'm concerned so yeah yeah that's right well we've got that out of the way now thank goodness i'm i'm content and happy <laughs> i'm pleased i'm very pleased <laughs> um, what's left for us to really talk about is is kind of frustrating for us because as has been the case with pretty much all of Stephen Moffat's output, we don't really get a lot that we can look at and go, ah, this is exactly what's going to happen. We can look at it and start going, you know, what if, and this could be this and this could be that. And there are certainly sites out there which you can visit, like DoctorWhoSpoilers.com, for example, which will give you frame-by-frame uh, -frame breakdowns of the, the trailer and try and give their opinion about um, what's going to happen. But it's all still very much speculation because there's very little that we know about what's happening for the final um, run of episodes for uh, Series 6. Mm. So um, really pretty much all, all we can talk about today is speculation and theory and perhaps even a kooky theory of the week or six. Ooh. But uh, yeah, it, it's, it's kind of strange. I, mean, I suppose the one we know most about at the moment is the one that's in a week's time, Let's Kill Hitler. Mm. Um, 
the TARDIS crashes into Hitler's bunker or uh, room, basically, and they meet the man. Now, again, in speculation territory, I think there's going to be some form of um, time-changing event that's going to have repercussions throughout the series. I, I think the Doctor is going to inadvertently maybe help Hitler and something's going to happen because I'm seeing a lot of images further on in the trailers. There's a wonderful shot of a pyramid with the American flag on the side. And to me, that screams of time alteration, something gone down a different track. History is different to what it's supposed to be. It's definitely um, an Egyptian pyramid, is that? It's not a pyramid of Mars or something. I, I don't really know my pyramids. I mean, I, I can't really tell my pyramids from like a large shape in the ground, but um, it's in the middle of a lot of sand, so I'm assuming it's in Egypt. But again, it could be in Utah for all we know, which is the reason why it has the American flag on it. Oh, I see. I was thinking more of the pyramids of Mars, perhaps, something along those lines. Oh, possibly, possibly. Yeah. Um, there's a, a shot in one of the trailers of a um, train heading straight into the pyramid, but with no train track on the other side of it. So is it some form of portal? Is it even back to the end of Pandorica Opens where Winston Churchill rang up the doctor and said that um, <laughs> someone was running a muck on the Orienty Express or something like that? I mean, yeah. could it be a tie-in to that? Because there's other shots in the trailer which shows Winston Churchill pulling a gun on someone, possibly the doctor. Well, I was wondering whether that really was Winston Churchill. I think a lot of people have assumed it was, but I didn't think it looked particularly like Ian McNeese. But do, do we know whether Ian McNeese is returning uh, in, in Let's Kill Hitler. Well, I'm, I'm not sure whether anything's been officially announced or not, but hmm. I, I was really in no doubt that it was Ian McNeese. I mean, you look at it and go, that is Ian McNeese. No, oh, really? Um, I, I just thought he looked slightly different. I, I, maybe it was the wrong camera angle. And uh, as I said, I've only watched this trailer, in all honesty, about once. And I just thought, <laughs> I didn't even realise who it was supposed to be until I saw someone on our forums say, oh, good to see Churchill back. And I was thinking, really? That doesn't look like Ian McNeese to me. Having interviewed him, um, I, I thought that was somebody else. But uh, but yeah, we'll, 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 we'll have to wait and see. Hey, that's one of my little catchphrases, have to wait and see. <laughs> Trev delights, listeners, in pointing out words that I use all the time. So at the moment, we've got absolutely uh, frustrating. What else is it? Wait and see. <laughs> Indeed. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm going to throw another bit of wild speculation out there. There is a line in the trailer kind of close to when the, the TARDIS crashes through Hitler's window and Hitler rises from his chair and says, um, you, you may have just saved my life. Could it be something to do with the end of World War II where Hitler took his own life and the Doctor has somehow inadvertently changed that oh. and that's the reason why time is going down a different path? I'm really not sure. What I thought might be the case is that they're trying to define certain historical events as fixed point in time. Maybe they're trying to address this silly concept that Russell T Davies brought in where some pivotal parts of history cannot be played with. Uh, we'll have to see. Uh, th there is a book called Making History, and it's written by Stephen Fry. I'm not sure if you've read that. I read it years ago. It's quite an old book now. And the whole premise is about time travel being invented and trying to kill Hitler. And the, the experiment was a success. And the story that played out then dealt with a world without Hitler. And it was quite interesting to see how someone had imagined, you know, the world without Adolf Hitler. And it wasn't that different, really, uh, to, um, to how things were with him. And, I, and I'm wondering whether that's maybe an inspiration for this particular 
story. Um, this is one of the episodes that the BBC have released a prequel or something that they're calling a prequel, although I would have thought to be a prequel it needs to be released after the actual episode, but anyway. Um, have you had a chance to see that, Trev? <laughs> <laughs> oh dear, dear. Have, well, what's, what's, what's the opposite of an epilogue? Prologue. There we go. Call it a prologue then, James, if that makes you feel happier. It makes me feel slightly more uh, grammatically comfortable, <laughs> yes. But uh, have you but, seen have you seen it yet, Trev? I know the one you mean. It's uh, it's uh, basically the the long tracking shot over the TARDIS with uh, Amy's voice coming in via telephone, presumably talking about, you know, have you found my baby yet? What's going on? Mm. Why don't you get in contact with me? It's to to me it seemed like a way for like a casual viewer to to get up to speed with certain salient points that we need to understand that the Doctor's looking for Amy's daughter, you know, without actually having seen the entire previous episode. So, But yeah. what, why is the Doctor not picking up the phone, though? Why doesn't he want to speak to Amy? I don't know. Well, it, maybe he's embarrassed that he hasn't been able to. Maybe he's been doing it for so long that he's he's close to admitting defeat. And maybe this could be tied in with the whole thing about the Doctor being, what was it, an extra... Yeah. Two, three hundred years old, yep. an impossible astronaut, yep. and then getting killed on the beach. No, and I think that's probably quite likely. This is all going to be part of the series story, I think. And and one of the things that I've seen from people who have seen this episode at the BFI is that they're a little bit surprised in terms of how many questions are actually answered in this episode. So perhaps we do get to see um, what happens concerning the events on the beach a little bit earlier than the finale. Who knows? We'll... Um, we don't really know who Stephen Moffat. There are lots of questions answered, you know, in terms of River Song's identity in season seven, uh, in episode seven, and I wasn't a hundred percent certain we were going to get our conclusive answer in that episode, and yet we did. I thought that, you know, we may have been made to wait or possibly given half an answer or something. Mm, but mm, yeah, from mm. what I understand, this is quite a pivotal episode, and 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 certainly goes on. Um, to probably less series arc intensive stories afterwards. One of the other episodes in this second part that really intrigues me is episode 11, The God Complex. Now, if any of you listeners have seen the trailers, basically anything that looks slightly surreal, like um, the... Uh, shots of Rory and Amy fighting white robots or yes. the uh, minotaur-like creature wandering down the corridor and scraping his horns on the roof or the doctor with clown makeup sitting in that bedroom. It looks like they all come from episode 11, The God Complex. So I think this is Doctor Who's attempt this season to be surreal. Mm. There, there has been mention that maybe we're returning to the land of fiction from the second Doctor era that you know we're going to be getting lots of mythological type things happening in this episode. But... I don't think it'll be that direct, but there'll there'll certainly be something in there that will tip its hat to mythological surreal elements. Yeah, I mean it's I mean I, I know we're jumping ahead here, but certainly if that is episode eleven, then yeah, quite possibly. I think that trailer would have been made with a full knowledge that fans would have understood or immediately thought, Oh my god, we're going back to the land of fiction. And yeah, mm. I, I think that's a nice little teaser, but nine times out of ten when these things are allured to in trailers it's it's not what you think in the same way river song turning around with an eye patch doesn't mean that she's madame covarian i think the name is as everybody's assuming that she is and uh, i i think it's highly highly unlikely that is the case but trailers are there to tease they're deliberately there to pique your interest and to make you think something's going to happen which of course nine times out of ten 
doesn't. Mm. Okay, moving on to the episode that's going to go out after Let's Kill Hitler. That's Night Terrors, written by Mark Gatiss. Now, I think, unless I'm wrong here, Trev, I think this was originally scheduled for part one of series six. and It, it was, was, yeah. Mm, relatively yeah. late in the day that it was bumped up the schedule. Which kind of implies to me the core concept of the episode is not necessarily connected with a series arc or a series story, if it can be moved around that easily. I'm certain that a few extra lines or a few extra scenes added can change the entire context of an episode anyway. Um, But yeah, from what I understand, this is meant to be a very, very scary uh, story. Uh, Mark Gatiss is good at writing scary stories. The only one that he's really done it with is The Unquiet Dead. But if you go back and look at his mm. new adventures, then you you can see that he's clearly got an affection for the horror genre, um, especially when it's mixed with sci-fi, which, of course, Doctor Who stories have to be. But there was a new adventure quite early on in Virgin's run called Nightshade, written by... Mark Gatiss, and I'm wondering whether or not this is a reinterpretation of that story. Don't suppose that's one you you, you read, Trev? I read it many, many years ago. Mm. I mean, I'd be hard-pressed to remember what it was about because I I think that was one from the the reasonably early run of the uh, Second Doctor novels, wasn't it? It was probably within the first dozen, definitely. Oh, well, there you go. (laughs) And I have a feeling that it was some kind of mad scientist story set in the 50s or 60s. And I think there was also an element, uh, a plot element concerning a television. But of course, he may have used that within his his other uh, story, uh, the name of which is Escape Me. No, The Idiot's Lantern. Idiot's Lantern. So we'll have to see whether he takes anything from that. And of course, there is a big Finnish play called Night Thoughts, which is all about terrors in the night. And that originally was going to be called Night Terrors. So could be a coincidence. In fact, I'm pretty certain that is. But Mark Gatiss' affection for the show rivals that of Stephen Moffat's. They work very closely together. Moffat will have been aware of Mark Gatiss's new adventures. Mm, oh, definitely, definitely. Yeah, I think the main reason they shifted this was because it was so scary and so dark. And I, and I think Stephen is quoted as saying that um, they didn't want to have too much that tipped the balance in a sort of dark wise in the first half of the season, which was why we got the, uh, I suppose, light and frothy Pirates episode in the mm. first half. And, and Night Terrors has moved to the second half. I think that was certainly one reason um, that was cited. I think the other reason was because there wasn't enough exterior shots in the second half or something. It was something really silly like that. I can't quite remember the reason that was uh, was offered, but it was. Um, I know it was one of those kind of reasons you can't really argue with because it might be. It's it was silly enough to be correct, and it was also silly enough to be um, not true as well. So so who knows. <laughs> Moving on to episode 10, that's called The Girl Who Waited, and has been written by Tom McRae. Trev, what do we know about this one? Well, um, <laughs> not a lot, I suppose, which is just so incredibly frustrating. I, I think I might, might have been slightly confused before when I talked about um, Rory and Amy fighting um, white robots, because apparently there's shots in the trailer which are rumoured to be from The Girl Who Waited, which shows what looks like an older Amy ah. in white armour. Now, whether that comes into play, whether we are seeing an older Amy, because we already have seen in this particular season playing around with the various ages of Amy, you know, Amy when she had the baby, older Amy, 
um, you know, sort of pregnant Amy from last year. So this might be another playing with the timeline, perhaps, you know, showing what happens to an older Amy or something like that. So, uh, I mean, there's only one other very nice shot which shows um, Amy wandering out into a courtyard with very alien-looking trees sprouting up. So whether that's part of a dream sequence as well, I'm not sure because it, it, it does look very um, visually unreal, I suppose. So it does look like it may be a dream or, or some form of surreal experience. Mm, I know the scene you mean or the shot you mean. I first thought that was a whole load of oil pumps. <laughs> But you're right, it's not. (laughs) Um, I I think the girl who waited clearly has to be Amy. And I have a feeling that I've read it somewhere as well. And it's interesting, when you consider the boy who waited last season was Rory for 2,000 years, then perhaps this is a slight inversion of that. Mm. And perhaps Amy now has to wait for Rory. And quite frankly, given the way that she's treated him in the past, as we've documented in audio format quite frequently on the Doctor Who podcast, it will be about <laughs> time if Amy actually has to invest some years waiting for Rory, because uh, I think that might even the scales a little bit, particularly as she has now stated very clearly that, you know, her man is Rory, it's not the Doctor. And uh, yeah, we, we'll have to wait and see how that one pans out. We've already talked about the next episode, The God Complex, which I think will have ties into The uh, Girl Who Waited, merely because I think there's just so many weird elements in both episodes. I, I see you didn't flinch or anything when I mentioned this, the scene with the Doctor in clown costume on the bed, which makes me think that I'm right in that. Yeah. Because um, I would have expected you to say, oh, no, that's not the Doctor, that's someone else. But that is meant to be Matt Smith. I believe so. I believe bed, so. It? it was yeah. also in the trailer for part one. Uh, of season six and it was Tom actually I think who said that's Matt Smith and that's when I looked at it and I thought yes I'm not 100% certain but I'm certainly not you know sure enough to say no it's not and I think it would be an exceptionally good idea I think I mean clowns are scary we've been playing with a doctor his personality his history his future everything in this series so why not introduce that ethereal element that as you rightly said seems to be coming in through these scene shots on a white background. Uh, Clowns are very scary. They won't be out of place in a really scary, ethereal, surreal environment. Now, either that clown is going to be some form of copy or some sort of vision, or it's going to be our doctor out of sorts in some respect, because there's a scene in the trailer where um, Amy bursts into a room and closes the door, and she's with another person too, who I'll talk about in a minute, but anyway. And this other person turns to talk to the clown, and Amy says, don't talk to the clown. So this, this it's not like she really recognises that this is her real doctor. Mm. Um, whether she she doesn't know that the guy on the bed's a doctor or whether we're all totally wrong and that guy <laughs> isn't Matt Smith in a clown costume. So, I mean, we could all be wrong. Yeah, but, um, yeah, yeah that, that woman who's with Amy in the God Complex, there's actually a shot of her in one of the trailers I saw today where it looks like it's at the beginning of an episode and she's coming out of the TARDIS with Amy and the Doctor. Oh, right. Like she's arrived with them from a previous adventure. Now, I'm not sure how that fits in, whether she's in The Girl Who Waited and whether she travels with the Doctor and Amy to the next episode. I'm, I'm, I'm not sure, but she certainly seems to, to traverse at least two episodes. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't think it's unheard of um, for anyone to pick up one particular character and drop them off in the next one. I mean, you look at Adam uh, from the very first season when it came back in 2005. 
and I kind of like the idea of that. I mean, you can you can almost almost classify Jack in the same kind of bracket, and if that's the case, then then great. Although having said that, the thing that I've really enjoyed about the first part of this series is is the four main characters, and I wouldn't really want anyone else getting in on that party in order to tell the story that Moffat wants to wants to play mm. out but we'll have to see how that pans out as to whether or not Moffat is going to perhaps introduce some characters that do get to travel in TARDIS and may not necessarily have their stories told in this series of course they may span over to the Christmas special or whatever they end up doing next year and one thing is for certain, whatever Moffat's doing, it's not going to be completely wrapped up by episode 13 here. News report mentioned that episode 13 is called The Wedding and episode 12 has been officially announced as uh, being called Closing Time. So, I don't know, there, there doesn't seem to be much info around about these two episodes at the moment and probably rightly so due to the fact that they will be our uh, season closers and they're usually the ones that uh, kept under wraps quite tightly. Mm, they are. I think we'll probably see the return of the Cybermen, though, uh, in one of these two episodes. I think it's been confirmed somewhere that Cybermen will feature in the second half of this season at some point. Um, and I wouldn't be surprised at all if we end up seeing at least one Dalek at some point, despite Moffat saying they're not going to come mm. back. I, I, I don't <laughs> really believe him, to be honest with you. I never had complete confidence in um in that statement. But I, I think Closing Time is, is Gareth Roberts' episode that sees the reintroduction of the character of Craig that we first saw in The Lodger. And whether or not it was always intended to either have a sequel to that story or to continue the character of Craig and Sophie, we'll have to see whether they do play a much more important part. And of course, the closing in the closing scenes to The Lodger, the Doctor gets the house keys as a souvenir uh, from Craig so perhaps he does go back and revisit him and the trailer has him in uh, in, a, in a more of a position with a doctor that you would expect Captain Jack to be <laughs> yeah well I, I think that scene is definitely being played for last though from what you can see of that very small clip I mean it's meant to be awkward rather than um, I don't know yeah, sexual. Or no, I don't like think that, so. I don't yeah. think the wedding is going to refer to the Doctor Marion Craig. No, <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but it, it, it it's there. I think probably for comedic effect. Gareth usually writes fairly light episodes, and it's interesting to see where his episode is positioned. Uh, either we're going to have a fun light episode directly before at least the opening to the finale, because I'm not entirely certain Series Thirteen is going to be the finale. It may well be the Christmas special this year. Uh, or perhaps Gareth has been given something meatier to get his teeth into this year, as opposed to Shakespeare Code and Unicorn and the Wasp. Perhaps Moffat's actually said, come on, let's write a much more straight storyline that uh, that deals mm. more with the mm. season arc. So, again, guess what I'm going to say, Trev? Uh, we'll have to wait and see. We'll have to yeah. wait and see, yes. Yes. Well, before we uh, sit down and wait and see, um, I just want to briefly talk about something that's not tied to any particular episode, but stuff I've been picking up from the, the trailers about the characterization of the Doctor. Um, there seems to be a very fatalistic thing going on with his character at the moment. There's there's various lines there where he's saying, you know, I'm going to die soon. Um, there's, there's a shot there where he's stroking the TARDIS saying, you know, one last journey, old girl. Mm. I, I can't remember exactly what happened in those Gangers episodes, but which doctor 
did Amy reveal to that she knew that he was going to die? Was oh. it the copy or was it the real one? No, it was the real one. It was the real one. The Doctor's known for some time, um, I think, that Amy and Rory and possibly River have experienced his death. And I think that's why you've got the line in the trailer, haven't you figured that out yet? Or haven't you figured that one out yet? So, uh, yeah, I, I think he's fully aware of what's going on. And when he says one last journey to the TARDIS, we all know that the TARDIS is going to explode because it did at the end of Pandorica Opens, I think. And we've mm. never been mm. given an explanation for that. And we've never been told whose voice it was we heard in the TARDIS saying silence will fall. Whether that's important or not, it's a different matter, I suppose. I mean, I'm sure it I is. I mean, I know he likes tying in a lot of stuff from a long time ago, but for me, the whole explosion of voice seems to be past history. I mean, especially with what we've uh, experienced in the first half of this season. No um, way. It, Absolutely no way. Not with a TARDIS. That TARDIS explodes and it can't just be left there. It will be explained. I will stake something very important. This glass of water, I will bet you that that is not... <laughs> um, High stakes not indeed, James. High stakes indeed. Well, <laughs> it is. I'm, I'm feeling the pinch at the moment, so it's got to be glasses of water. And last time I bet, I think I lost. Well, as did you, because that was with Tom, but there you go. <laughs> yes, very true, very true. But, um, well, that's probably all we can really talk about with regards to what we've deduced and what we've found out with regards to the, you know, the second half of this series. Um, Let me ask you a quick question. If you weren't the host of the Doctor Who podcast, would you have gone online and sought out spoilers or would you have jumped off the internet completely and just waited to watch these episodes? I would have been somewhere in the middle. Um, I, I really think that because of the era we're in with Doctor Who that I think even though there's a lot more trailers, a lot more information, really true spoilers are harder to find actual factual information that will spoil um, your enjoyment is harder to find now. Now, having said that, I do remember I did rant earlier in the year about being <laughs> spoiled for yes. the uh, Rebel Flesh. But that aside, I, I think just this episode alone has revealed that a lot of what we're talking about is pure guesswork. Mm. And I think that's very different to what we used to experience back in the RTD era, that there was a lot more we actually knew was going to happen that we could actually figure out. There's just so much guesswork now because, um, you know, we're, we're not really 100% sure of what the Moffat game plan is. Mm. So it, it can go either way. So in answer to your question, if I wasn't the host of a mega successful Doctor Who podcast, <laughs> I probably still would look for it, but I probably wouldn't find as much as I would if I was a host because I would have probably stopped at a certain point and went, I've had enough of this. I'm just going to watch the story instead. Yeah, and I, and I think I look quite forward actually to getting to the point where I do just watch an episode of Doctor Who and I've got no idea about what the episode contains and I think that is difficult as a fan uh, not just as a host of a podcast I think that is difficult as a fan unless you are going to unplug yourself from the internet and of course as we all know mm. that's not a realistic uh, solution this in this day and age because you you just simply can't avoid using the internet if you want to interact with modern society and I, I think you're right um, in terms of the amount of information this time around is is certainly less than, than we've had in the RTD era, certainly. However, I do think that Moffat's put an awful lot more effort into publicising it, the show, which is weird because, you know, they, they're publicising less, if you know what I mean. 
Um, mm. it, it's a case of saying, look, come and see this episode. Yeah, by all means, as a preview. The amount of column inches that press screening generated, that preview screening generated, the BBC aren't paying for that. They're just getting the free publicity. And as a result of that, Moffat's saying, well, this is this is what I'm doing. I've got these episodes coming up, but I'm not going to tell you anything about them at all. And it, it's just really clever. Uh, and I like watching the commercial um, consideration and, and the commercial strategy almost of the BBC when they come to promote their shows these days. It's, uh, it's, it's quite a lot of fun because you think there's a lot out there and really there isn't. <laughs> there really isn't. Those of you following our Torchwoods Miracle Day coverage, which to be honest with you, um, coverage is, is probably not quite the right word uh, because <laughs> I, we haven't really been discussing it in depth. We've been talking about it in the odd five minute segments. Um, you may be waiting for reviews of five and six and you may be waiting a little while. Now, I have watched these uh, and I do have an opinion on them, but I, I've now got to the points where I'm either going to be repeating myself or I'm going to be coming across incredibly negatively. And I really don't want to do that. I want people who are enjoying Torchwood to, to go and listen to a, a long planned, reasoned analysis of each of these episodes. And quite frankly, loads of other podcasts are doing the reviews and I don't really want to have to sit here. It's beginning to feel a little bit like homework, you know. I don't want to have to sit here and just criticise it because I'm not enjoying mm. this series uh, for reasons that I've already stated in the past. So it's taken me two episodes longer uh, than it took Trove, but I am now officially <laughs> giving up on Torchwood Series 4. Uh, I will actually continue to watch it, but I don't think it's worth reviewing it. And the only way we'll change our minds is if you listeners, you send an email saying you'd like to hear our thoughts about this particular series. That's the only thing that will have any sway with me. Uh, otherwise, I'm just going to be pilloried i think for laying into a, yeah. a piece of television that i'm not enjoying well actually we we have received you know the odd email or two already probably talking about some of the more negative aspects of well certainly my side of the review for the uh, torchwood episodes and, and i thank you all very much for that guys really um if we're not going to be covering it then maybe the listeners should uh, take up the call and maybe either review it themselves for us or Send us MP3s and try and convince us as to why it's worthy of our attention. Because, mm. yeah, I mean, I mean, for me, you've hit it really on the head for me there, James. It's like homework. Mm. And that's the point it got to me, you know, two or three episodes ago. I mean, we've always said here at the DWP, as soon as we started, we said, we'll only do it if we enjoy it. What's the point of doing something if we aren't enjoying it? Especially as we're doing it for free in our spare time, et cetera, et cetera. So, yeah, it, it got to having to do it rather than wanting to do it. Yeah. And yeah. it's interesting that you've reached that point too, James. But, yeah, I mean, we, we still would love to hear what you guys think and maybe it might make us change our mind. I mean, try and get us to see the positive side of it. Try and make us believe in Torchwood again, mm. I suppose. It, it, it's not as if I hate it so so much it's just for me it's got nothing to do with doctor who and the reason i watch torchwood is because it's connected to the doctor who universe and this is this is just a completely different kind of show for me i'm not saying it's all bad um there were some moments in episode five that i quite enjoyed but the end of episode six and again i will just give you an example trevor for absolutely no reason whatsoever suddenly saw gwen in leathers on a motorbike 
having just found some explosives in a hospital blowing up some pylons within a compound where there are a whole load of sick people with no explanation. It was such a blatant rip-off of Trinity out of the Matrix. And it right. was... it was, But it just didn't, didn't make any sense. And my wife, who's been watching every episode with me uh, this, this year, just said, this is awful. And I had to agree. The most salient point she made was that Esther's boots seemed too big for her. She thought she'd probably fall over in them. <laughs> and I then spent the remainder of the episode trying to see whether or not those boots looked too big on her. And I think she's probably right. But, um, yeah, <laughs> when you get into debates like that, then, you know, the story's clearly not grabbing your attention and it, it just isn't. No. So that's that's it, sadly, for me. Unless, indeed, listeners, we, we, we have an appeal, <laughs> which I very much doubt we'll get, uh, for, for us to continue to review these episodes in a little bit more detail we want to put a bit of a plea out to you our wonderful listeners now you all know our good friend marty who at the beginning of the episode gives us this opening sting as you listen to an episode of the dwp this is the doctor who podcast and you are most welcome so that's what Marty does for us. Now, we've found in the year or so we've been doing this podcast that the You Are Most Welcome has become a little bit of a signature for us. And we've now incorporated it permanently into the show. It's now a permanent part of our banner on our website, et cetera, et cetera. So what we would love is for our listeners to get in on the act. So if you guys want to send in your this is the Doctor Who podcast. You are most welcome. We'll use them at the front of the show every week. Mm. Um, we, we, we would love to get you guys involved um, with being most welcome to the Doctor Who podcast. Okay, and just to be explicit, so I will yes. give you an example. Okay, this is James from London. This is the Doctor Who podcast and you are most welcome. Now, what we'd like you to do is play with the enunciation of the you are most welcome bit. So decide to give it a different emphasis. You've still got to use those words, but you've got to come up with a different way of making them interesting. And of course, the most interesting MP3s we receive will get used in the show. But make sure you say your name at the beginning, because clearly we won't know who you are otherwise, and neither will any of your fellow listeners. <laughs> Indeed. So what about another example? So like... This is Trevor from Brisbane. This is the Doctor Who podcast, and you are most welcome. And I'm sure so, you yeah. listeners can do better than that. Oh, I'm sure you can. <laughs> it doesn't have to be like Marty's at all, but it just has something that sounds good, but has your own unique flavour in there as well. So we're looking very much forward to uh, hearing what spin you guys can put on our intro so we can use it for the show. Absolutely. Okay. And we'll have to have some sort of prize at some point, won't we, I suppose, James, to, as an extra added incentive? Yeah. Oh, um, what can we have? Okay, I'll send you my show notes for this particular podcast. <laughs> there you go. And if that's not incentive enough, then goodness knows what would be. Oh, I tell you, <laughs> hearing your own voice on the podcast and getting James's show notes. My God, it doesn't get any better than that. <laughs> Talking of competitions, um, the last episode of the Doctor Who podcast featured an interview with Joseph Lidster. He launched the competition for us during that interview. Now, it was actually quite a tricky question. I mean, the answer was in the body of the interview anyway, but we've had remarkably few 
entries, especially when you consider we've been breaking the 100 mark regularly uh, for competitions we've been running. And I will just reiterate what I said on the last show. We've got three signed books up for grabs on this occasion. And at this moment in time, the success rate will be 100%. <laughs> so that gives you a wow. rough idea of how many entries we've had. So if you want to get your hands on a signed book of a torture book called Consequences, and it's signed by Joe, then go back and have a listen to the last episode of the Doctor Who podcast and make sure you get your competition entries to us. Those three can't be the only winners just because they were really quick. Come on, guys. <laughs> get, in your, get, in your, get in your answers. Toot sweet. Mm-hmm. <laughs> As always, guys, we've got our DWP forums bubbling along quite nicely at the moment. There's always people joining and uh, joining the fun. And along with them, we have our two fantastic moderators on the website. And a big, 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 massive shout-out to Michelle and Ian. Mm. You guys take the brunt of all the moderation duties on the website. You do a fantastic job. All we have to do is come along and go, yeah, that looks fantastic. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, we, we really thank you very much, guys, for all your help and your patience and your incredible decision-making skills for the forum because, uh, yeah, we, we we would be swamped without you. We really would. Nah, absolutely. Especially, of course, as Season 6B, as we now are officially calling it on the Doctor Who podcast, um, gets underway. Uh, obviously, traffic is going to increase, so do feel free to go and give Ian and Michelle a hard time over at the forums. and uh, <laughs> Just click on... The... Say something really, really controversial to give them Ooh. a really hard time during the moderation. Absolutely. Just just go on to thedoctorwhopodcast.com and click on the link to the forum, and you'll be online with loads and loads of other listeners very, very soon. Awesome. Awesome. Well, I think that only leaves us to say what we'll be covering next week. Now, um, duh, we'll be talking about Let's Kill Hitler. Uh (laughs) As will every other Doctor Who website, forum, blog and (laughs) podcast in the entire universe, I think. So um, I hope you can join us next week for that. That'll be out early next week, pretty soon after Let's Kill Hitler screens in the UFK. So um, very much looking forward to that. But unfortunately, I won't be there. You will have to uh, put up with uh, James and Tom. Mm. They'll be there to uh, guide you along in the review for this uh, season return of Doctor Who. So have fun with that, guys, eh? Yeah, indeed. We'll manage somehow without you, Trev, I'm sure. But in all honesty, it's always good to have the three of us in the camper van together. And I have a feeling that's something that's not going to happen for the first few episodes of this series, at least, because Trev knows as soon as you're back, then I'm off for two weeks as well. <laughs> so I know, Tom will become terrible. the most ever-present host in a DWP camper van. Uh, we'll just have to set up a proper roster for the cleaning of this caravan, I think, because, <laughs> I mean, with only a couple of us being here the past couple of weeks, let it go. I mean, look at the look at the pile of dishes in the sink over there. Do you know what? I can live with a pile of dishes if you actually, when you started popping these peanuts into your mouth, you actually made it into your oh, mouth. Look, They're run all over your the finger floor, along that curtain carpet. rail, Mr. Rockliffe. Run your finger and you will pick up a film of dust that is known to no man. But that's I mean, Tom's turn. You know it's you Tom's turn clean to clean the upholstery. We've said this before. We don't sh- oh, never mind. Listeners, Trev and I need to have a serious conversation. We'll catch up with you next week. Now, Trev, curtains... It's you once every three weeks. Me, I do the hoovering. Drinks No, stop trying to deflect, James, and your dirty boots on the camper there. I mean, my goodness. Every week I've come along and you don't bother taking them off. 
That was the Doctor Who Podcast, which you can find at thedoctorwhopodcast.com. If you have any feedback, please send it into feedback at thedoctorwhopodcast.com. You can also find us on Twitter, Facebook, and via the Doctor Who Podcast forums. Thank you for listening. Take care.